0: We're beginning today a new sermon series, and we're pausing for a little bit uh, from the book of Acts that we've been working through, and we're, we're calling this sermon series Rest Assured. And it, it's really, we're talking about some doubts that naturally come up in people's lives. Just how do you, how do you know that things are going to work out the way that we hope that they're going to work out? How do we deal with doubts? And I think the thing that you need to understand up front is that doubt is real in every relationship. And so why we would see it any differently in our relationship with God um, is is a little bit curious to me, but it's natural for people to think that I have some doubts maybe at times about my relationship with God or about how this works or what it means to be a Christian or am I a Christian or how does all this supposed to go together? And so we want to pause here for a little bit over the next couple of weeks and, and deal with this and talk about some things that Scripture teaches us about knowing the person of Jesus Christ and having confidence in the faith that we put in Him. Now, something that's really simple uh, to think about, when it comes to doubt, you have to understand this. Doubt is very personal. We may wrestle with it in different ways. Uh, we may deal with it at different times. I think it'd be kind of foolish if anybody would stand up and say, well, I've never doubted about this. No, we have questions. We have doubts. But maybe some of us are a little bit further along the road. Some of us maybe are just dealing and wrestling with these, but do understand this about doubt? Oftentimes when we doubt, what we're doing is we're, we're taking a projection of our fears, of our understanding, of our limitations, and we're projecting this onto somebody else, and we're seeing it like a mirror, and we're thinking that, well, there's no way that this could happen because I can't see how it would happen, and so therefore they can't make it happen, and, and so we begin this process of doubt. And so we project our fears and our limitations onto somebody or something else, and we think, well, this causes me to doubt because I don't understand how it works. (laughs) Kind of like somebody built my house. There's plumbing in it. I don't know how it works, but I just know that I turn on that shower and it happens at times, but I doubt that I would know how to fix it if it ever went wrong. You know what I mean? So there's some times when we look at our limitations and we look at what other people do, we doubt sometimes how it works. But Here's how it works. We know in depth, think about this, you know in depth exactly what's going on in your mind. (laughs) You know what you're thinking, you know what you're feeling, and then we know our shortcomings, we know our fears, and then when we look at ourselves, now think about this, when we look at ourselves, we're going to have moments of doubt because we know we're not perfect. We know we have shortcomings. So the essence of doubt is when we begin to look at ourselves so much so that it causes us to skew our view of everything else, and we just get all this fear that wraps up in us that I'm just not sure how this is going to work out. I don't know how I can rest at night. I don't know. But here's the deal. You're not in control of everything. And so the more that you look at you, all it's going to cause you to do is to doubt more and more. And so we need to learn what do we do with our doubts, where do we place them, how do we deal with our doubt. And I would say when it comes to our faith in Christ, The easiest way for me to put this is that we need to learn to live our life like a big old thank you card. You ever had somebody just do something for you or maybe give you a gift that went beyond anything that you could possibly think of or was just a little bit overwhelming for you, and then you sit down to write that thank you card, and you're like, thank you. And you seem, it just seems inadequate for what you've received, and it seems almost silly to look at them and go, well, thank you for this thing that I could have not possibly done for myself or afforded on my own or done this or couldn't have made it through this without you. And you just write some simple words. But honestly, when it comes to our faith in Christ, we need to learn to live like a thank you card because we understand that God has done things for us that we could never do for ourselves. And we live then our life as a response to what Christ has done for us. But we do not live our life in such a way that we're trying to earn God's love, which he has already given us. You see, when we confuse those two things and we start trying to look at ourselves and we think, how can I live and what can I do and what is it that I have to do to be able to make sure that all of this is all right, you are going to end up at doubt 100% of the time because you're looking at it through the lens of how you see your limitations and how you see your fears. And how you see these things working out, and you're projecting those onto a perfect Savior, and it doesn't work. And so we want to talk about this this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bible to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22, I want to walk you through this passage here and see a little bit about what's happening. And then take the very specific words of Jesus and lay them out for us so that we can understand our faith in Christ or the opportunity for faith in Christ in a fresh way this morning it says in verse 22 then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade the Jews surrounded him and asked how long are you going to keep us in suspense if you are the Messiah tell us plainly now let's just pause right here in this story Let's get a picture of what's going on. The people who have surrounded Jesus have what I believe is a very legitimate question, right? If you are the Messiah, would you just tell us this plainly? And perhaps you would look at a story like this and you'd say, yeah, I'm kind of in line there. I wish Jesus would just find a way to just, yeah, just tell us this plainly. But when you have a little bit more of depth of understanding of exactly what's happening here, here's Here's the true picture. Jesus is walking in the temple, and these Jews who show up are the the Jewish leaders. And this group of Jewish leaders are actually very frustrated with Jesus because Jesus is growing this following, and he's teaching things that are different than what these Jewish people have been doing teaching. And so they're very frustrated. And so when we see these words and it says the Jews surrounded Jesus, it wasn't just they came alongside and all gathered around waiting to hear what Jesus was going to say. No, no, this picture is an ambush. This picture is Jesus is walking and somebody steps in front of him and the others gather around him and they're looking at him and they're frustrated with him and they're going, look, we've had enough of this. We need you to tell us something are you the Messiah or not? Let's get on with it. And the reason that they were confronting Jesus in this way is because they were looking for Jesus to say something that would be considered blasphemous or that would be considered against their laws so that they would have reason to kill him. That's why they were looking at Jesus. So this is the picture That you need to get in your mind. These weren't people who were truly seeking to find out, how do I cover my doubt? How do I overcome this? These were people who were looking to disprove him and to walk away and to do whatever they could to kill him and put him to bed. So you need to understand, sometimes there are people who doubt because they're truly seeking. And sometimes there are people who are doubting because they're simply trying to protect what it is that they believe is working for him, and if they were to give their life to Jesus, they're going to have to give up some of these things. So sometimes a source of our doubt is not coming from a very sincere place at all. And so that's true with these people, but look at what Jesus says. <laughs> I did tell you. I love that. I did tell you, and you don't believe. Jesus answered them, the works that I do in my Father's name Testify about me. But you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me. Is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So there's something really powerful that Jesus says here. First of all, he says, Look, I've already already told you this. This is plain. And he says, You want to know how plain it is? Look at what I'm doing. Because when you look at what I'm doing, there's no way that you could sincerely doubt. The answer to the question that you're asking me. So Jesus, his words here, he says, The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. Now listen to this, because we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. Um, There's my teaser for you to come back. So the works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. Jesus said here something very profound. He said that the works that Jesus is doing is a demonstration of a truth. So the works that are happening in the life of Jesus are a demonstration of a truth that is happening, that is true. And I think that leads, honestly, for us, if we were to understand this, the works, the things that are being produced in our life are a truth that say something about our life. The things that are actually being produced and done, and we can see in our life, say something about what we believe, about how we choose to live. They say something about these things. And this is what Jesus is saying. He goes, not only have I already told you, but then all you have to do is you just look. And if you look at the things that I'm doing, and if you listen to what I'm saying to you, you would naturally come to the place where you would go, you are who you say you are, God, and you can do what you say that you can do. But yet you're just trying to look. For reasons to doubt and reasons to trap me. So let's look real quickly then at what Jesus said about how we can know. How do we rest assured? How do we know that we have a sincere and genuine faith in Jesus Christ? The first thing is this. Jesus says it real clear. My sheep hear my voice. So you want to know how to rest assured? I hear his voice. I hear the voice of God. Now. Isn't that funny how in our culture just recently that some people think that that's a mental illness? But that's just absolutely not true. God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross in our place so that we could have forgiveness of sin and so that we could have a restored relationship with God. You see, God created us to live in his perfection, to care for his creation, and to live in relationship with him. And it would bring us fulfillment, and it would bring him glory. And then when we sinned, we separated ourselves from God, and there had to be payment for that sin. And so he sent Jesus Christ to the cross as payment for that sin so that we could have a restored relationship. If you are in a relationship with someone, you communicate with them. If you are in relationship with God, God communicates with you. We communicate with him. Now, you are possibly sitting here today saying, well, I, I don't know that I'm in a relationship with God. I don't even understand what that means. So I want to talk about the, the first maybe time you might hear his voice. You know, the, the first few times that you may hear the voice of God, sometimes it, it, it comes across in such a way that it's not always an audible voice. Now, you've got to understand something about me. Here's what I believe about God. He can do what he wants, when he wants, however he wants. So to me, nothing's impossible with God. And so if you would say, Pastor, do you mean that God can speak audibly? Well, if he wants to. You mean, Pastor, God can speak to me in my heart? If he wants to. You know, God can, can, can God speak to me through a billboard? If he wants to. Can God talk to me in the shower? If he wants to. <laughs> I'm just like, you're not going to catch me saying that I'm ever going to tell you that God only speaks in this way. I will tell you this, God speaks. And he will find a way to communicate with you in a way that you know that it is him. And the first time that that begins to happen, just like anybody who you're talking to for the first time, you're, you're kind of trying to decipher this. But with God, I can guarantee you there's something that's happening in your heart, and it's, it's a drawing that he's putting in your heart. And you begin to sense this feeling like that there is a God, and it's quite possible that he is real. And I think that he might be saying something to me right now. And you may come to this place where you go, now what do I do? And it's at that point in time that you have a choice. You come to this place and you say, I'm going to explore this feeling a little bit more. I'm going to explore this path a little bit more. And I'm going to go down this road that might help me discover that there's a God. Or you have the choice to go, I'm going to ignore this because this is kind of freaking me out a little bit. And that's a place where we all come. And we we come to this place and you have the opportunity to either follow up on the voice of God or you have an opportunity to walk away from it. And so the initial hearing of the voice of God will bring you to a place that there's a tug in your heart, that he's trying to tell you that there's more than what you see to this life and that he loves you and he wants you to know him. And I will just tell you, if as I'm talking right now, and this is one of the miracles of God, as I'm talking right now, your heart's beating maybe a little bit faster. You're kind of thinking, oh, my gosh, did this guy read my mail this week or whatever. Let me just tell you something. That's not me. I'm not talking, though I'm talking. That's the Lord talking to you and saying there's something I want to do in your heart. And my encouragement to you this morning would be don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. That's God beginning to talk to you in such a way. What you do when that happens is you say, okay, God. I'm willing, show me, help me take some next steps. Let me know you more because Jesus says very clearly that his sheep hear his voice. And so when I'm walking with God, I hear his voice. And he loves you, he wants you to know him. God is doing everything that he can to reveal himself to you. As a matter of fact, he says, when he's talking to the other, these other people, look, I did tell you and you don't believe, but if you'll just look at what I'm doing, Listen to this, you know one of the greatest ways that people begin to recognize and hear and see the voice of God is when people who have a relationship with God stand up and tell the stories of what God has done in their heart. Because then other people can begin to see that God still does work miracles. That if he can take someone like me and he can transform my heart and he can change my life and he can put me in a place where I can know that my eternity is secure and that my faith is in him, then he can do the same thing for you. And that's when we begin to understand that God does miracles and we can hear his voice. And so I hear his voice. Now, I want to say this. God doesn't just speak to us once. I know there are many in this place who have responded to that voice of God and they continue to follow him. And I know we're talking about doubt and this is going to come into play here in a little bit later. But I want you to first of all understand that when we come to know Christ and we've taken that step of of walking with him, there is an ongoing process that happens for those of us who believe in God that we continue to try to tune our ear to the voice of God. We continue to try to learn to discern when he is speaking to us and what he is doing. That's natural for everyone because we have to learn how to hear his voice in different ways, in different contexts, because it may be something that's unfamiliar at first, you know. But I just want to tell you this. The Christian faith is a very simple faith. I did not say it was an easy faith. But there's a lot of things about the Christian faith that are simple. In learning to hear the voice of God, there's actually something that's very simple here. And it is, it is undeniable that this is how you tune yourself to the word of God. You pray and you read his word. And there is nothing else that I can do that would accelerate this process for you or help you any better than to learn to discern and hear the Word of God other than you pray and you get in His Word. And the more that you do that, the more that you're able to discern and hear the Word of God, period. How many of you remember those ancient old things called home phones? Anybody remember that? All right. When, when you actually didn't call the person. Now, students, I want to just let you know there was a day when everybody didn't have a phone number. And it was one number, and it went to the, I know y'all know that, but it's there was, there was one phone at the house, and when you called that number, it was going to ring all the phones in the house. You didn't know how many people were going to answer the phone, if they were going to stay listening to you in the other room on the phone while you're having this conversation, and you never knew who was going to pick up the phone. And so you had to have the skill, you had to be ready to interpret whatever voice was going to happen on that other line. And if for some reason you were calling the home of someone whom you wished to date possibly, you had to be ready that her dad might actually answer the phone. And then you hang up quickly and you call back later when you hope that he doesn't answer. But there's all these type of things. I I understand that, that when you call and you pick up these voices and they're new voices, it's hard to discern. And so there used to be something that we would play on the phone and it was just funny to me at times you would call the house so you knew the house you were calling somebody would answer the phone to you who is this it was like you know what house you called right yeah but but who is it well this is Lyndall I don't want Lyndall I want Lance all my brothers are L's just so I'd let you know that so okay well this is Lindell. was Lance there I don't know and you just go this back and forth where you're trying to figure out how to get to the person that you want to get to so you have to tune yourself to hear the right voices. Now, what's funny is yesterday, Julie, um, I called, uh, I called home. I called the Julie number. You know what I mean. And I knew it was going to be her. that was answered, but I'm kind of busy. I'm driving in the car. I've got stuff going on. And I called Julie to let her know where I'm going. And she answers, and for some reason, she goes, "Hello," you know, just kind of in a funny voice. <laughs> and I was just for a, for a moment, I just went, "Who? Huh? Who is it? What?" And then she laughs, and I go, "What?" and She goes, "Oh, I'm just saying hello." I'm like, "Okay," you know. But it just catches you off guard when you're so tuned into a particular voice and then they do something a little different. You're like, don't do that to me. But tuning into the voice of God is like that. It's the more that you spend time with Him, the more that you're in His Word, the more that you pray, the more you'll be able to hear. And if you've never heard that voice of God, like I already described, God is doing everything that He can to communicate to you, to let you know that He is who He is, says He is and He can do what He says He does. And what we see here is this picture. He's already telling you plainly, and if you will look around and listen to the stories, you will see that God is at work, and he is very real, and he is very alive in this world today. So you can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. And then he says something else. The next words that he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them. So you need to understand this, that he knows me. Jesus says, I Know my sheep. I have not done farming ever in my life. I have been to farms. I've been around farms. It's a pretty amazing thing that when I go out there and I see a herd full of cattle or a herd full of sheep, here's what I think in my mind: cow, 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 cow. But if you talk to the farmer or if you talk to the shepherd, it's like. Well, there's Tank, and there's Bessie, and, there's the, and they, got, they, they know them, and they know the difference between them. And I'm just going cow, 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 because I have no connection here. And so we see this, that Jesus knows his sheep. That means that Jesus knows his follower. That means that Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you. Now, I want to tell you something that every one of us understand this, but I just want to point it out. When I say the words that God knows you, it is very comforting and very terrifying all at the same time. Because the first thing that happens most of the time when people say that they know you is the things that pop into your head aren't, oh, well, they probably know this. You're probably thinking, I hope they don't know that. That's probably the first thing that pops into our mind. So while it's comforting to know that there is a God who created you, he loves you, and he knows you, at the same time, it's a little bit terrifying to go, that there's a God that created you, and he knows you. He knows what you've done. He knows the life that you've lived. He knows the past. And let's just be honest, there is difficulty that each and every one of us have in opening up our life to somebody else. When we share about ourselves, with somebody else. It's like we are taking a piece of us and we are handing it to somebody else and we are just hoping that they take care of it and that they don't use it against us or that they don't abuse it or they don't do something with it that's gonna cause us pain. And I will tell you, if you've been breathing on this earth for a little while, you have experienced somebody that you have shared a part of yourself with, that you've given them and they have taken something and they have hurt you with that, and it makes it then even more difficult to look at somebody else and want to open up to them, or somebody else and want to open up to them. As a matter of fact, it makes us want to go, nope, 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 and just stay away from everybody else, because we think that if we do that, we think that if we do that, we'll actually feel better, we'll actually be better, but the truth is exactly the opposite of that, when we can come to the place that we are comfortable being known, then you can finally relax. Nothing like going home. And they all know you. They all know. And you can just go home and go to sleep on the couch because they know. As opposed to going somewhere else where you feel like I've got to keep got to keep this facade going and I got to keep this facade going and i can not let anything else go. You see, like I said, there's something terribly comforting and terribly terrifying in the fact that God knows us. But not only does God know us, he knows everything about us and he loves us in the midst of it. Have you ever had that thing, whatever it is, that you felt like, okay, this has happened you know, you maybe had that experience at school, and you realize, I've got to go home and tell my parents about this. You've had that thing at work, and you got to go home and talk to her. You've had just something that you've done that was just foolish, and you had to own up to it at some point in time. And you walk around with it, and it does what to you for a while? It just eats you alive, doesn't it? Because you're going, I don't want anybody to know this. I don't want to share this. And every fear starts Rolling around in your head that if I tell somebody else this, and they're going to hate me. They're not going to like me. This is going to happen. And, and, you're, and you're just sick to your stomach. But I will tell you that many times I have experienced this burden that's on me. And then when I finally sit down with whoever I need to share with and I go, I've just got to share this with you. I have also had not only the experience of somebody taking and not doing the right things with that. I've had the wonderful experiences of somebody going, well, let's deal with this. Let's figure this out. Let's move on. And now that's a person that just has done nothing but drawn me closer to them because I go, they know me, but yet they love me in the midst of it. Now here's the good news. 100% of the time, Jesus does it right. He knows you, and he loves you. Romans 5.8, we share it a lot around this church because we think it's an incredibly important verse that talks about God fully knowing us and fully loving us. It says, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so what that means is while we were fully known and all the bad things that we had done, Christ's response to that was not, oh, I can't believe that. Christ's response to that was, I know you. But I want you to be my sheep, and so I'm going to demonstrate this to you in only the way that it can possibly be done by laying my life down to say it doesn't matter what you've done. I just want you to know and walk with me. And so when we hear the words that Jesus says, that he knows me, yes, it might be a little unnerving, but my prayer would be that it would cause you to want to draw closer to him because God meets you every time at that difficult point in your life with love and with understanding. And when you finally come to that place in your life that even though you understand that you're fully known, that you can kind of get past that and you can say it's okay to be fully known. Actually, it's relieving to be fully known. And so now what can I do in response to this? It leads to the last thing that Jesus said. Jesus said, they follow me. So if you want to rest assured, I follow him. You want to rest assured, you want to have peace in your relationship with Christ, you want to have peace and not doubt in this, then it's real simple, follow him. Scripture says it multiple times, that those who love me obey my commands. And it's not just talking about that God has all these rules, it's talking about the evidence of someone who has discovered the great love of God is a response that says, I want to do whatever he says because I know it's best. It's not limiting. It's absolutely freeing to know the greatness of God. You see, the choice that we all have to make is, who will I follow? Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow myself? You know, there's another phrase that is thrown out there all the time. Follow your heart. Don't. Scripture says it real clear. The heart is deceitful. And so when we live in a world that that tries to prop up this idea that, I mean, just whatever you want to do, that's okay. Just whatever you're feeling, you just do that. No. Jesus says, my sheep follow me because they know that this is the best thing for them. And so when you look at your life, the ultimate question that you have to ask yourself is simply this. Am I following Jesus? If you are doing what you can to follow Jesus, then you are his sheep. He knows you. And the guarantee that it says right here, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If that's not good enough for you, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So you get this picture that you're in Jesus' hand, which is in the Father's hand, which ain't nobody getting you out of that. That's it. You see, when we tend to doubt, we're only looking at ourselves, we're looking at our limitations, and here's what normally happens. Because you're saying, Pastor, that if I know Jesus, I'll follow him, but the truth is sometimes I struggle with that. Welcome to the club. Because there's none of us that are perfect. We're not going to get it right all the time, and here's what tends to happen. We get out there, we're doing what we know how, we're doing our best to follow Jesus, and God knows our hearts, whether we're doing that sincerely or whether it's just a show. But we're we're trying to follow Jesus, and something comes along, and we stumble. We mess up. We get something wrong. And you know what it causes us to do? When you stumble, anybody ever stumbled and then looked up? When you stumble, what is the first thing that you do? You look back and down which is the worst place to look. It's the worst place to look when you're struggling with doubt. Because anytime you're looking back and down, that means you're looking in the past and you're looking at yourself. And anytime you're looking in the past and anytime you're looking at yourself, all you're seeing is your blooper reel, right? All you're seeing is I can't believe I struggled there, I can't believe I did that, I can't believe that. And we begin to think, how could God ever love me? Because look at what I've done. Well, God never loved you because of what you've done. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, for you are saved by grace. Every one of us are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. So let me say it this way and we kind of put this word picture together Jesus is talking about shepherding his people that his sheep know his voice and his sheep follow him he's using that in context because people back then knew what sheep herding was so if I take this word picture and I fast forward it to today here's what you need to know the security of the sheep relies on the skill of the shepherd not the talent of the sheep The security of the sheep relies on the skill of the shepherd, not the talent of the sheep. I've never sheep herded in my life, but I've been told over and over again, you know what sheep do? They wander. (laughs) They just wander around. And sometimes they just wander off. And you know what Scripture says is that Jesus would leave the 99 to go and save the one because his skill, and it's his hand, And it's his power, and it's because of what he has done that we have the opportunity to know him and to follow him and to have that eternal assurance, not only of our eternal salvation, but everything that we need for this life as well. So guys, doubt comes when we're looking at ourselves, when we're looking back and we're looking down, and we're just looking at what we stumbled over. But there's a future and a hope that God gives us through the grace of his Son and through the faith that we put in him. You see, eternal life is a gift given by God. That's the the thing we need to understand. Eternal life is a gift given by God. It's a gift. You cannot earn it. It's something that God has given to us. It is a gift given by God. And I also understand this. I know that we live in a world where when we talk about eternal life, There are some people going, yeah, yeah, that's great, but I got issues today, and I got stuff to deal with tomorrow, and that eternal life thing seems so far off. How is this relevant to today? Any sports fans in here, sports fans? You ever recorded one of your team's games, but yet you found out the score before you were able to watch it? So then you're watching it, but you know the outcome? A little calmer, aren't you, when you're watching that game? The highs aren't so high. The lows aren't so lows. Why? Because you know how this is going to end. There's something to be said for eternal security, for knowing that you are in the Father's hand, held on to by Jesus and held on to by the Father, and that your eternity is secure. That helps you navigate this life in a way that you cannot do without that. And so my prayer is that today, you know. You know that it's not because of what you've done, but it's because of what God has done. And you know that God is faithful, and our salvation and our security rests in him and him alone, not our works. Our works, we're going to talk about next week, are simply the thank you card that we live back to God. It's a response to what God has already done, not a way to earn our way to heaven. So do you know that you are his? Do you hear his voice? Do you follow him?